it is Pilgrim Baptist's fifth year anniversary. This is our anniversary Sunday. It's been five years. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful. And look, it's been a battlefield. But guess what? The harvest is still ripe. And our first service, we were down right off of 40, the little hotel had a meeting space. We rented that space. And we had a, we had a small little church service. And the Lord moved us from there. Now we are here. And I want to talk to you this morning about the power of prayer. I believe that that's where the Lord would have us be this morning to talk about moving forward what are we going to do and what are we going to rejoice in at the end of year six? But we've got five years where thousands of tracts have been handed out, doors have been knocked, fairs and festivals have been worked, a small remnant of people saved. We've had seven or eight, maybe nine baptisms here. I'm thankful for what the Lord has done here. Now, you would probably say and agree with me, it's great to have quality people, but there's also nothing wrong with wanting to have some more quantity of that quality of people. And I believe the Lord is going to send some more laborers into our flock this year. I'm praying to that end, and I am trusting the Lord to provide those laborers. Now, it's been a tough year, and you can probably testify to the fact we see people come, we see people go. And it breaks my heart when I have to find out, look, the person's not coming anymore. But you know what? I'm here. You know what? You're here. You know what? You've sacrificed. You know what? You've stuck with it. So I got an idea. How about we rejoice in that and thank the Lord for providing these small bunch of laborers. I'm thankful for you for sticking in there. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm thankful to my wife for sticking in there. I'm thankful for my kids staying faithful. You know the Bible says pray without ceasing. You know that? That's a small verse. It's only, it's only three words. Only three words. I'm asking you this morning. Do you, do you pray for me as your pastor? I need your prayers. You know, I find it a funny thing. We didn't get to the message yet. We'll get to it in a minute. I find it a funny thing. This world, you know who they hate? Christians. They're okay with worldly corruption. They don't like Christians. Do you know how many, over the years, do you know how many Christians have fallen because of sin? You know what they do, all these uh, famous preachers, and they find out that all of a sudden, they, they're unfaithful or they fell into some type of sin and, and, and the media eats that up, man. They can't wait for that headline. If you think Trump is a big headline, man, wait till a big name Christian falls. They'll blow that thing up all over social media. But I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you this. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Do you pray? Do you pray for those Christians that you know, those pastors that you know, your pastor, me as your pastor, are you praying that God would protect me and other preachers that are trying to get out in the public arena? I'm not talking about the ones that are sitting behind a comfortable desk, getting a salary that's going to keep them fat and lazy. I'm not talking about that. Amen? Amen. I'm talking about the preachers that I know and I've been mentored by 
that are out in the battlefield, do you pray for them that they wouldn't fall? <laughs> you know, everybody says, well, that's a, that's a shame that Christian fell. Well, it's a shame that you didn't pray 10 years prior to them falling that they wouldn't fall. Isn't that something? I don't want you to fall. Some of you men are excited about going out and witnessing for the Lord. I don't want the devil to get in there and knock you out of the fight. And I know the devil wants to knock you out of the fight. Amen. I am praying that you wouldn't fall. I am praying that you wouldn't get knocked out. Go to 1 Corinthians 3. We'll get our spot there and then, and then we'll pray. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. That will be our, our starting point. 1 Corinthians 3. Go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank You that we could be here. I need Your help. I ask Your blessing over this message. I believe it's what You would have Your saints to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 9, Bible says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Christians are defined by God very clearly in this verse as laborers. Now all of you men work. When you go to the job on tomorrow morning, you don't go in there and pull the boss aside and say, boss, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it and let's go after it. You don't do that. You go in and you check in with the boss and you know what? You are in the position of the laborer. You ask that boss, what would you have me to do? You know who you are a laborer for? God. And all of us together labor for God and for His cause. You know what might be a good idea for all of us to do tomorrow morning? God, what would you have me to do? It's amazing to me how men will jump over backwards at the opportunity to follow a boss for a good opportunity for a job. I am not saying don't get excited about that. <laughs> if you have a better job offer, take it. Get excited. What I'm saying is this. Don't do that at the expense of getting excited for what God has for you. You are a laborer for Him, not for the union. <laughs> for Him first. Together, together. You see that? Verse number 9. You're God's, uh, for we are laborers together. Folks, I can't reach everybody. I can't. And you know what? You can't reach everybody. But together, we can reach more people. We labor together. There's a crowd I can't reach. There's a crowd you can't reach. But together, if we work as a body, we can start reaching more people. It's about togetherness. Go to 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And I need you to pray for me regarding this verse. Uh, 
Watch what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 17. The Bible says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. That's actually in the Bible. <laughs> it is okay to doubly honor somebody. That's a biblical principle. And then it says, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Now that's pretty good because the ministry of the word a lot of times in our day is sacrificed because of one of two reasons. Number one, the pastor is trying to do it all. And he's going to give himself a heart attack if he tries to do it all. But when you try to do it all, you're not really good at one thing. I don't want the ministry of the Word to be sacrificed. That's why we all need laborers together. Well, how come the pastor isn't out in the street? Well, he's probably laboring in the Word, and that's okay. How come the pastor isn't painting the building? Well, he's probably laboring in the Word. It's okay for others to go out without the pastor. He is to labor in the Word. Because if you come in here on Sunday and I just throw you breadcrumbs, you're still going to be hungry. Anybody that comes behind the pulpit has to labor in the Word. You've men that have preached and have taught Sunday school, you know that you've got to sit down, find a quiet place, get your thoughts together, make sure you don't get it wrong, or you, you, know, you want to get it right and all that. You're laboring. You know what we don't need? This country does not need another man as a hireling. Somebody says, well, I'm called to preach. That doesn't mean that you need a pulpit and a parsonage. That might mean you need to get out in the streets. That might mean you need to knock some doors. That might need to, hey, brother, there's a nursing home that has some folks there that might need some preaching, right? right. There's some schools, and after school there might be a Bible club that could be started. Those little kids need to hear the gospel. If you're called to preach, you will find a venue to preach. And Lord willing and God helping Pilgrim Baptist, there will always be a spot for the ministry of the gospel going out. You feel you're called to preach? I will find you a place to preach. Praise the Lord. John 4. John 4. Watch what else we've got here. John chapter number 4. John 4. Look at verse 35. John 4, 35. Jesus speaking, and Jesus saith unto them in John 4, 35, My meat is do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. All are not called to preach in a pulpit ministry. But Jesus gives us something very clear. All of us, may not be called to a pulpit or a foreign land in the missionary journey, 
but all of us are commanded. It's not a call. It's a command to go out in that harvest and sow some seed so some souls would be saved. We are all commanded to go out and preach the gospel. And guess what? We all don't have to do it the same way. Somebody says, well, Brother Jimmy, I could never stand out on a public square and lift my voice for the Lord. Okay, well, then hold a sign. Say, Brother Jimmy, I could never go out there and hold a sign. I'd be too embarrassed. Do you know how to write? You could write a letter to a neighbor or a friend with the gospel. We order a lot of tracks. We have gotten thousands of tracks out. You know what has to happen to some of those tracks? They've got to be folded. You could do that. Well, I just don't like the way you do it. I just really don't think we should be that confrontational out in the world. Matter of fact, I just don't like that. I, I really think I'm, I'm better at one-on-one -on -one anyway. I'd rather just talk to somebody personally. Okay, well, just come out with us. Sit to the side. I mean, we have a booth, a 10 by 10 tent. And when somebody gets someone to stop and talk, we'll give them to you to talk to. Look, there's a place for... What I'm trying to say is there is a place for everyone. Parents, grandparents, we want to give our kids every opportunity academically. We want them to get in the best colleges. We want to give them every, uh, every athletic opportunity if they have those gifts and we want to get them the scholarships and all that and 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 i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but i'm saying it's wrong if it's at the expense of getting them spiritually prepared to be laborers in the field amen 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 you can be a doctor and labor in the field for christ you can be an athlete and labor in the field for christ but not if you're throwing the football around every Sunday instead of being in the church house. Some men are required to work on Sunday. Some men to choose to work on Sunday. There's a difference. There's a difference. Matthew 9. Here's what we need to pray for this year. Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 37. Matthew 9, verse 37. Bible says, Matthew 9, verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, this is Jesus, he says, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Breaking news. It's probably not breaking news to you. There are not that many laborers. If you didn't show up from, to work, you'd be fired. Our Lord's gracious. He doesn't fire us. He always has the door open. And He always has a spot. Would you pray for Pilgrim Baptist to always have the door open for laborers who want to do something? They might not do it as bold as you. They might not do it the same way you do it. But if it's the same gospel and the same message and the same doctrine, why don't you give them a little bit of room to grow? <laughs> Give them a little bit of room to fall on their face and get back up and try it again. And what is noticeable here in verse number 38, watch what it says. 
People say, well, we should just go after it then. Well, here's what the Lord says. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers unto his harvest. And look, we are the faithful few. We are the remnant, if you will. Well, let's just go after it. Let's just go out there. Hold on. The Lord said, before you go, why don't you pray? <laughs> I believe we need to do some more praying first before the going. We're at five years. We have been going. And I'm not saying we haven't been praying. But if there's one thing I believe we should dial up more is the praying. But why? Because the Lord said, hey, before you go, here's an idea. Why don't you pray that I send forth the laborers? You know why? It's a warning to preachers by way of application. Well, why aren't you going out? You need to go. Why aren't you going out? You need to go. Now, if I had that attitude, that would not be Christ-like. The Lord said, why don't you pray whom I would have go, whom I would send. Now, let's flip it around. The other problem is this. Small flock. Most of the folks here have done some type of public evangelism. It would be easy for you to think, well, I'm doing it. Nobody else is doing it. And the Lord says, you know what? I want you to stop and I want you to pray first. Because I am going to provide and I am going to send the laborers who I want because guess what, guys? It's the Lord's harvest. It's His harvest. Ephesians 6. This is a good one. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, look at verse 18. Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth harshly. No, let's try it again. That I may open my mouth sarcastically or rudely. It doesn't say that either, does it? That I may open my mouth how? Boldly. When you open your mouth as a gospel witness, it is an unashamed declaration of the truth of the gospel. Open my mouth boldly to make known, here's what it says, the mystery of the gospel. You might hear somebody at work or in your community or even within your family that blasphemes the Lord or makes fun of Christianity. The Lord does not call us to be rude or sarcastic or harsh on them, but He does call us to open our mouth boldly. Amen. Folks, remember Romans 8? We don't have a spirit of fear. We have the Holy Spirit. 
And he wants us to open our mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. We have a lot of prayer requests. We mentioned them before we went live stream. All of them are physical in nature. We need to pray that way. But you know what we don't hear a lot of requests about? Preacher, would you pray for me? I need some boldness like this verse says. I've been a bit of a coward when it comes to opening in my mouth for the Lord. Well, I could just never do what that one Christian does. I mean, he's always going out with the church and it seems like he can just do everything. And Well, why don't you just stop and just start praying to God that He would give you boldness. You can ask for that as a prayer request, folks. We need boldness. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you in that area. But we need to pray for that. Don't be embarrassed. And don't get too accustomed to the comfort that we have here in America. Because the comfort sheet is going to get pulled out from us and you know what's going to happen? To the Christians that aren't bold now when they have total freedom to be bold? They're not going to do anything. If you're not bold now when you have the freedom that America offers you, you are not going to be bold when we don't have the freedom that America has always offered us. You're going to be hiding in a cave like Obadiah was under Ahab's rule like we talked about last week. We need to be praying. And don't look. Well, it just doesn't come naturally to me. <laughs> Did Christ give us a new nature? Yeah. Are we new creatures in Christ? Yeah. Since when were we supposed to go with our nature? <laughs> Which, by the way, of course you can do it if it comes naturally to you. The Lord wants you to rely on His strength. I'm not trying to disregard gifts, but gifts are not your natural talent. Gifts need to be developed. Gifts need Look, you need to pray about what your gift or gifts are. You may have multiple gifts. But please don't say, well, I'm just, na I'm just not naturally gifted at that. I'm just no good at that naturally. Well, no kidding. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. If you just rely on your natural gifts, God says, why don't you rely on spiritual gifts? And by the way, the spiritual gift that you have, you can't force someone else to have that gift. They might not have that gift. You might be a help because you've got that spiritual gift of a help. But... If this brother tries to force that gift on this brother and he don't have the gifts of help, guess what happens when he tries to help? It ain't a help. <laughs> if you have the gift to be able to govern well and you think that this brother should have that gift and he doesn't and you try to have him act like he has it and he tries to govern, guess what's going to happen? It's not going to go well. God wants us to use our gifts. But don't force what you have on someone else. Show some boldness and ask the Lord to help you exercise the gift that He's given you. Amen. The other thing that's interesting in this ver uh, chapter, look at the next verse. It says, um, 
for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therefore I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul is in bonds. That means he's in prison. Does anybody else see where I'm going with this? He's asking for prayers that the gospel would continue to go out. Paul doesn't ask to be released from prison. This year, you might be in a tough spot. Your first prayer should... Look, if I get arrested for preaching the gospel publicly, my first prayer should not be, Lord, help me get out of here. My first prayer should be, Lord, help other Christian witnesses to be bold getting the gospel out. If I get locked up in prison, I don't want you to pray for me first to get out of jail. I want you to pray that the gospel would continue to go out. Add my physical deliverance at the end of the prayer list. Amen. Do not put it first. Why? Because Paul said, I want boldness so that the gospel would go forth. He put himself last. He was an ambassador in bonds. Amen. Amen. He's not praying. Go to Colossians 4. We see this. I could tell you what I'd probably be praying. You'd probably agree. Look at Colossians 4. Colossians 4, look at verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Continue in, here it is, prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. Here it is again. With all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance Watch this, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul doesn't pray for the jailhouse doors to open. He prays that it would open up a door of utterance for the gospel to be preached. Paul's in bonds. Oh, Lord, would you open up the door house or the jailhouse doors? What does he say? Would you open up a door of utterance that the mystery of the gospel would be preached? I think that's pretty good. You think that's pretty good? I think that's right. That's right. If I have to ever visit you in jail, or if you ever have to visit me in jail, I won't be offended. I won't. If you ask me, is the gospel still going out? I won't ever bow up. I mean, I'm saying that now. I'm not in jail yet. Lord willing, and God helping me, I won't ever bow up and say, well, how come you're not trying to get me out of here? Because our flesh would want the physical deliverance first. So God helping me, if I'm ever locked up, I won't be offended if you say, are we still going to be able to have the outreaches? Is the gospel still going to get further in, in, in Putnam County? Are we still going to... I won't, Lord willing and God help me, I won't be offended at that. 
because we shouldn't be. Paul was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was in bonds, and he wanted the gospel to go out. We need to pray to that end for this year. Year number six we're coming on, pilgrim. Year number six. Let's pray that the gospel goes out. And you can see this at the end of verse four. It says, as I ought to speak. Now, I'd rather have the word ought taken out of there because I'd rather just speak. <laughs> but we should speak as the Lord ought us to speak, not what we want. This is so important in why we need, we need to pray. Sometimes, some days I'm so frustrated, I just want to let everybody have it. But if you don't pray to say what the, how the Lord would ought you to speak, the Holy Spirit is going to know if the person, that couple that you're talking to, that the Lord put in your life, the Holy Spirit has to be able to, to, to direct you on whether or not what is needed is a gentle, soft, compassionate tone. And the Holy Spirit's going to have to direct you. If you're talking to somebody else over here, they may need something a little more, okay, i got to be a little more bold here. i got to press a little hard. I might have to ask some tough questions. You can't, I can't figure that out. Who has to help with that? The Holy Spirit has to help you speak as you ought, not as you want. Amen and amen. All right, two more verses we'll look at. Get Romans 15. I'd like to make a comment here. Romans 15. <clears throat> Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 30. Romans 15, 30. The Bible says, And I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, watch this again, that ye strive together. You see the togetherness? That's what we need to pray for for this year. And it says that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Why? That I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea. Because guess what, folks? There will be those who don't believe that want to stop you. They don't go away. They didn't go away in Paul's time. Young people, it's not going to go away in your time. If you're a young person, there are always going, there's always going to be somebody that God puts in your way, they don't believe, and they're going to stop, try to stop you. And preachers struggle with this as young people grow up in church. They know and they pray and they, want, and they want these young people to go on for God in whatever field that the Lord would have them. But they know because they have had so many situations come in in their life and in their ministry where, man, it just seems like these people are trying to stop it. Guess what? They are. That's what unbelievers do. That's what the world does. Young people, it's not going to be different for you. It's going to be the same as it was for Paul. It's going to be the same as it is for Christians throughout all of time. There are going to be unbelievers that are going to try to get in your way and stop you. Go on. 
We need to pray that the Lord would give us the strength to go on. And we need to pray that those that do not believe are the ones that are delivered from the power of darkness. But make, make no response or make no mistake. They will be in your way. Always people wanting to stop you. First Timothy, we'll finish here. First Timothy. Chapter number two. Everybody's going to, they're in an uproar now and the uproar is going to continue to get louder up until November of next year. It's going to be drama after drama. drama. Government this, government that. Government this, government that. I could, care, I, I could care less about the economic temperature of our nation. I really could care less. You know what I care about? There are souls that are in spiritual debt that need to be delivered and they need to know that there is a Savior who paid for their spiritual debt. I'm not concerned about a, a government program that wants to pay off someone's financial college debt. The government's going to do silly things like they've always done. I'm concerned about souls. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We should be praying moving into this year that the government would leave us alone. Amen. May I remind you that If you drive around this town, which you do, you are going to see signs that offend you. A Budweiser sign. You're going to see a sign of two men holding hands or two women holding hands. And th that is going to offend you. In the government schools, there's going to be books in those government schools and in the public libraries that will offend you. Amen? It, right? Amen. Right? Young people, it's going to be there. Offenses are going to be everywhere you look. We can't get away from it. You know what I'm not going to do? I have no concern in calling the mayor and saying, that sign offended me. Well, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. I want the government to leave me alone. Of course offenses are going to be out there. But I want to be able to stand out with a sign that says, Jesus saves sinners. Amen. Amen. And an atheist is going to run, uh, drive by, and someone inbo involved in witchcraft is going to drive by, and you know what they could do? Call the mayor and say, that sign offended me. Folks, if one side has the rights, the other side has the rights. <laughs> I don't want to start stirring the government up, taking people's rights away. If an atheist wants to have a sign that says you should believe in the spaghetti monster, I am okay riding past downtown Cookville and seeing that sign and being offended. I'm not going to complain to the mayor. You know why? Because I want to be able to hold up a sign that says the spaghetti monster's a farce. Jesus saves. And the prayer in... Uh, 1 Timothy 2 is this. 
Government, leave me alone so I can live a quiet and peaceable life. I don't care about Elon Musk and the SpaceX program. I don't care about people going to outer space. I care about people being regenerated and saved and being seated in heavenly places, amen? I don't care about outer space. I care about the heavenly place, amen? We got to stop it with, stop, oh, the government's doing this, the government's doing that. They're corrupt. They always will be corrupt. Mary and Joseph, before they went and had a baby in a manger, guess what they did? They stopped and paid their taxes. And they didn't stay there and protest for three hours. Government, leave me alone. You owe taxes. Okay, I'll pay them. Now leave me alone. They tell you to sacrifice your children and bow down to Baal. Now it's a fight. I will fight you. Serious. They ask your children to bow down to some Baal worship, devil worshiping thing. You fight that thing tooth and nail. But you got a real small window where God says, okay, you got a license to fight the government. You ain't sacrificing my kids. But other than that, pray that they would leave you alone so that we can live a quiet and peaceable life for God. Just leave us alone. I don't care what they preach. I just want to have the freedom to preach the gospel. Five years, folks. I'm thankful for all the Lord has brought us through. We're moving into year number six. We need the Lord's help. Pray that He would send laborers into this harvest. Pray about what your spot would be. Pray that He would send more. Pray that the government would leave us alone. Pray that I would be able to continue to labor in the Word. And pray that we can strive what the Bible says together for the cause of Christ.